sound just like the queen britney spears (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) frankie and i just spent an hour talking instead of actually recording and we talked all about the greatest miss britney spears and her cinematic gem starring justin long razzie award winning movie (laughs) (laughs) yes razzie nominated crossroads Oh my god. You know what's not going to be nominated for a Razzie is uh, Wednesday, the new show about to come out <laughs> on Netflix. And that is only because um, it's on TV and they only do movies. Uh, <laughs> right. But also, no, also, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be very, very good. But I do have a funny story to tell. I and can't if wait. you follow us on Instagram, you will. Um, probably know what I'm talking about. I posted the other day (laughs) um, about an exciting inquiry if you were from the LA area and to slide into our DMs. Um, (laughs) And there was a reason for that. And a lot of you replied and I kind of gave a very vague answer about why I had posted that. But the truth of it was, was that I had won two tickets to the premiere of Wednesday in L.A. The red carpet premiere, beat. The red carpet premiere. I know by this point we'll we'll have all seen how amazing Jenna Ortega looked on the runway. And how Miss Christina Ricci had a little spider on her hip. (laughs) And so we'll know it has passed. But um, basically, I had looked at the ticket... (laughs) <laughs> the link to the ticket and I saw the date was um, November 23rd I was like okay great 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 so I was like I can't go I'm gonna be out of town Frankie can't go we don't live here and so I was like maybe one of our, our listeners would want them and I kind of gauged people's <laughs> people's opinions or like what they thought of their the excitement level yeah everything was very lukewarm and so nobody was like really um, inspiring me to like you know give them the tickets. I wanted to give the tickets to somebody I thought was excited, who was deserving. And, um, yeah. Well, I ended up like reaching out to uh, a roommate, an old roommate of mine who I love very much, and I was like, "Hey, do you want them?" He's like, "Yes, absolutely. I'll take them. That sounds like a great time." I was like, "Perfect. I'm glad somebody really is excited to go." <laughs> And then I, so I sent him the email with the link to the tickets and I was like, I'm just going to click the link. I clicked the link and it was like, this event has already happened. And I was like, uh, I was like, wait a minute. No, no. I was like, it's next Wednesday. And then it turns out that it was literally at night. Yes. I was uh, scrolling through Instagram and I saw everybody on the red carpet for the Wednesday premiere. And I texted you like, bitch, it was yesterday. (laughs) I know. Damn it. And so, um, 
I had to give very vague, vague replies to everybody who, had, who was like, you know, wanted to know what the exciting inquiry was. But um, unfortunately, Girl, I, I just wanted up. to know how you felt. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, that was dishonest of me. I mean, I do want to know how you how you feel about it. Um, we love to hear opinions from everybody. But um, yeah, I kind of fucked it all up. So nobody ever got to use those tickets that I won. You know, yeah, we were so gonna make it a fear the talking queers exclusive, but because oh, this be bitch don't pay attention. <laughs> I know I fucked it up. But Jake was gonna to take a microphone museum. and pretend he was doing interviews so that we could get some yes. sound bites for the show. <laughs> yes, I know. What? Ugh, damn it! But uh, I wanted to give a shout out to the Mystic Museum <laughs> in Los Angeles. Um, they are the reason why I had the tickets. I won one of their Instagram giveaways just by you know, giving a little comment. So I'm sorry I wasted that ticket. But um, everybody go check out the Mystic Museum in LA because it's so fun and very cute. They have this amazing 90s slasher uh, exhibit that you can walk through, which is a lot of fun. So yeah, give it a look. Wow, unbelievable. I can't believe that we didn't get the the scoop that I wanted you to be there with Catherine, with Christina, with Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I could have gotten us the scoop, but unfortunately, my uh, comprehension of technology or something is poop. But unfortunately, Jake is um, illiterate. (laughs) (laughs) I am, however, going to the red carpet premiere of Violet Night. (laughs) Are you really? Which is the truth. Yes. Oh my God. I Um, can't wait to see what you think of it. she texted me and she was like, do you have any interest in seeing this? And I said, yeah, that looks fun. And she goes, ugh, okay, fine, I'll confirm us. <laughs> <laughs> this is a friend of mine who works for NBC Universal. And oh, so she, t- she sometimes gets, gets um, you know, things like red carpet tickets or something like that. So I guess I'll be going to see Violet Night. Oh my God, at the premiere on the red carpet. How exciting. Yes. Uh, that is exciting. I'm excited. Speaking of red carpets, there's no red carpet in this movie, but the poster of this movie is red. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful segue. <laughs> Into this week's movie, another brand new release, um, Barbarian. It took people by surprise. I mean, no one really knew what it was about. The trailer came out uh, during the black phone and it was literally just a girl checking into an Airbnb who booked it at the same time as this guy and then something about a basement and freaky shit but no, nobody ever really knew what the movie was going to be until it was right. released. I mean, right, and the only thing that really got me to go had nothing to do with the trailers. It was honestly the Rotten Tomato score. I was like, oh, I was like, this is a pretty high score yeah. for this random movie. I was like, I don't really know what it's about. Maybe I shouldn't know what it's about if the trailer is not giving me a lot. Right. And if it's this good, then do you know what? I'm willing to be surprised. I was like excited about the idea of going into this blind. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, that's kind of fun. And oh my god, was <laughs> was it a jaw-dropping surprise when I saw. Yes, and then Jake texted me after he saw it and said, uh, you have to see Barbarian. It's this year's Malignant. And I was like, Yes, and okay. I wholeheartedly believe that. I think they are very similar in the way that they 
really gagged us. Yes, like, goops. They are so, like I didn't see that coming. Goops gagged. I didn't see Who it coming at all. And once you see what it is, you're like, this is bonkers. Like this is so off the wall that they even thought that this would, that they thought that this would work. That all of a sudden I'm, I'm in it. I'm invested. Yeah. Like, I buy into it. Yeah. And like I'm very impressed with this movie, and I am so excited to talk about it, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's get into it. This is Barbarian. Oh my god, what's wrong with me? Okay. I'm high as fuck. <laughs> How do you know she can't get in here? Shit, I've been living in this place more than 15 years, and she ain't never came in this motherfucker. <laughs> Barbarian, released in 2022, written and directed by Zach Kreger. Coming into town for a job interview, Tess, played by Georgina Campbell, books a remote house in the rundown Brightmoor neighborhood of Detroit. Upon arriving at the house, Tess finds out that the place has been double booked and is already occupied by a young man named Keith, played by Bill Skarsgård. Our creepy... Hottie. Creepy crawly. Yeah, our creepy hottie <laughs> um, with a tall-ass body. <laughs> and it looked like he got a big dick, too. <laughs> okay, I'm sure it's down to his knees. Hey, I'll be down on mine if that's that the case. Just like. Okay. Yeah, just like going to town on those Swedish meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> Initially unnerved by Keith, Tess warms up to him and decides to stay the night. The next morning, Keith leaves for the day and Tess goes to her interview. The woman interviewing her sternly warns her that she should not be staying in the area of the Airbnb. She returns to the house and is chased inside by a homeless man yelling that she shouldn't stay in the house. She ventures into the basement and is accidentally locked in, stumbling upon a hidden corridor. There, Tess finds a room with a camcorder, a stained mattress, and a bloody handprint on the wall. Tess backtracks and tries to leave but is still locked in the basement. Keith arrives and frees her. Tess tells Keith what she has seen, and he goes into the basement to investigate. When he does not return, Tess returns downstairs and discovers that the hidden corridor she had initially found leads to a subterranean tunnel, where she hears Keith screaming for help. She enters the tunnel and finds an injured Keith. The pair are suddenly attacked by a naked, deformed woman, played by Matthew Patrick Davis, who brutally kills Keith. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh my god, did not see this coming. At all. But okay, so the origin story. So Zach Kreger wrote this. He was inspired by the nonfiction book called The Gift of Fear, Survival Signals That Protect Us from Violence by Gavin DeBecker. And there's a section that uh, tells women to trust their intuition and do not ignore red flags from men. Right. And so he used this uh, kind of throughout. I feel like it transpires or transcends beyond just uh, Tess's storyline, it comes into play a lot with just not trusting people. There's a lot of distrust amongst these characters that come out um, as the story goes on. But initially, this whole... The marketing used this to their advantage because the original trailer... is of Tess coming into the house and it seemed like she was going to be tricked by Keith or something and naturally we're just right. thinking that's what's going to happen because she's a woman and he's a man and this is like a classic setup for a 
horror movie. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of power play here. Like, the man is in power a little bit. She's, like, out, you know, she comes to this house. She sees that there's somebody staying in here. It's, like, a, a misunderstanding, right? But he got there first. And so now it's about, you know, she even says it later on. She's like, if you were the one that was outside, I would not let you in. But because the it was reversed and she's, like, you know, more helpless, she had the harder she her sorry she had to figure out how safe the situation was for her like right. we the first like 20 30 minutes of this movie you're you're constantly feeling all the red flags she's feeling but you're like should i be trusting he's doing everything possible to get us to trust him right yeah he's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna open a bottle of wine in front of you i'm not gonna drink see. that shit i'm yeah, exactly. Like he's he's doing everything he can to not come across as a predator or somebody that would prey on her. Yeah, and she's and and she's spending the entire time trying to figure out or being cautious and trying to do her due diligence to figure out who he is before she can fully just trust. And so it's it's quite the journey we're on in this first part. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say that she keeps her guard pretty high until he starts mentioning his resume. And something about his resume that she resonates with, you know, with like the documentary stuff, um, that she gets really intrigued. And for some reason, that makes him more credible to her like she's like oh yeah. okay like you're not some freak it's like no girl he could still very well be a freak I think she sure or she he, got or too trusting after that yeah he could be lying yeah but then you have to think of it like in the context that this is real life and not a horror movie maybe she was seeing it more as like a serendipitous moment in a romantic comedy and that's kind of how it plays out in this yeah, first because she's kind because she's kind of like oh oh wait a minute this you know this meet what's like almost like a hallmark film or something you know that's like oh an accidental meeting between two strangers who are in need and in their time of need they actually find out that they have a connection with each other and um mm-hmm. you know so maybe that maybe that's why she's like oh maybe I I'm thinking I'm in the wrong movie maybe the distrust isn't isn't the way it should be like the being open to a to a spontaneous romantic connection or something yes yes how weird i mean (laughs) it's a weird dynamic because first you don't know what this movie is about and then yeah you know you're expecting a twist like everything has to have a twist these days so you're like i'm watching him but should i be watching her you know yeah i was thinking that too i was like okay i was like what if what if she is the she could very well be a you know, a predator or something. Yeah, she a can thief or this could be her part of her a yeah, stalker. Of her ruse, you know, to get in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but we're so quick to be on her side. Yes. Because we're like, okay, in the time of me too, the you know, the men are the problem. Yeah, absolutely. They always are, you know. Um which we'll come <laughs> well, to see that's, in a character like, later. Right, exactly. But that's directly. just like the conversation today you know the yeah. conversation about the me too movement is so you know prominent today we're almost like trained now to be like okay this girl's got to really watch out she's got to watch the red flags from this man right but what if you know but the twist could have possibly been it didn't turn out this way but it could have possibly been that she's the killer so we yes. can't really trust anybody that's the, maybe that's the 
that's the message here. Yeah, and it, honestly, it also happens when she comes across the homeless man. Like, it's so easy to distrust and dismiss him because he's this random homeless man coming after her. Oh, sure. That, you know, it kind of, because, like, I don't know, and this whole opening, like how you were saying, it kind of plays out like a romantic comedy. The whole opening, yeah. it sets a really balanced tone of dark comedy and, like, horror. Like, there's a little yeah. bit of everything. And honestly, I would relate it to sort of the humor that's in Scream. Like, uh, of course, you know, oh, oh, circling sure. back to Scream. But it's like, it's... Wait, what? Scream? It's, <laughs> it's comedic, but, like, you can take it very seriously because right. it's also straight of up course. horror. You know? Yeah, it, it's like, it's, it's being very satirical about this very serious subject matter. Yeah. You know, I think that, like we said, this is a very hot-button topic nowadays. Yeah. And so it, it's really taking that idea and turning it into a horror film, but also looking at it, also playing with us as the audience. It feels mm-hmm. playful. You know, it's sort of manipulative in a way where it's yeah. like the, the score is kind of leading us to think that maybe this is something that it isn't. And it turns out that the both of them end up kind of becoming victims of the evil when the score is sort of leading us that one of them might be evil, specifically him. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it, it just feels playful. I, I feel like there's a sense of fun yes. to it still. And it makes as it serious easy. and dark as it is. You know? It makes it easy to watch, especially because you are on edge trying to watch for all yeah. the signs from both of the people that you're on edge, but it's relaxing to watch. Right. Like it's an but easy also, watch. But also like, I would think this is would be a fun movie to watch with a group of people. Oh yeah, everybody, you know, because it's like you do the, you know, that's a bad idea. People shouting out their opinions on what they would do. Um, you know, everybody sort of has their own plan that in their head of what they would do in this sort of situation. And um, you know, what, what red flags do you recognize? It'd be interesting to see what what people would be like. No, see, that's when I would leave, or that's when I would leave. Um, I think that a movie like this really inspires that fun conversation while watching in the yes. comfort of your own home because, okay, can I bring this up real quick? What? I would love to know. Loyal listeners, send us messages. What do you, do you, are you finding it that people do not shut up in movie theaters anymore? The people around you? Uh-oh. I swear every time I go, I there's always somebody just talking like they're in their living room. Like, have we forgot during this like lockdown quarantine that manners out in the real world I feel like I'm constantly like <laughs> having to listen to other people talk through every movie I'm I'm in what, I've, what do you do I've what do heard you do with- people d- like talking throughout a movie at the movie theaters and I'm like you guys hi it yeah when I saw this movie oh my god we literally had to move rows because these two teenagers next to me were just of talking course. literally like they were in their living room. And it's like, why go to the movies then? I don't want to listen to you. I didn't pay to listen to you talk. I paid to watch this movie. Yeah. How the fuck do you not realize you're being rude, you stupid ass kids? <laughs> yeah. Do you ever say, if you ever heard somebody, would you ever say anything? Do you ever no or anything? No, no, I don't do that. I'd be minding my own business. Do you have dirty look? I'm like, damn. 
Is anybody else experiencing this? If you are, send us a DM. <laughs> are you a Karen like Jake? No, <laughs> oh my god! I never say anything These either. These kids won't stop talking. No, just kidding. Uh, yeah, you oh have to god, move. Oh my god! Am move. I sounding like that? No. <laughs> no, you're. Oh my you're god! I'm sounding valid. like that. You are. <laughs> you are absolutely valid in those strong opinions. Um, Forget okay. everything I just said. <laughs> So this whole thing transpires about, like, when she leaves the house, she sees that the neighborhood is actually fucking abandoned, which we don't get to see in the first right. part because it's nighttime and it's dark. She realizes that there are no street lights and no other lights from any other houses, but she doesn't realize that there are no lights anywhere on this fucking street because it's, like, abandoned. So... It's... Yeah, it is, like... She calls it rough. I'm like, dang, that is rough. But do you know what? Yeah. That's that's happened to me before. Oh, I've done an Airbnb. This, uh, I mean, I didn't book it. But when I did that show in San Diego, that like 80s show that I mentioned on this show before. Yeah. Um, they put us up in an Airbnb and the house was really nice. But the neighborhood was like kind of sketch. And so I, th- that happens, I guess. It, it happens in real life. The people fix up these houses specifically to Airbnb them. But <laughs> the neighborhood is like real trash that's what i literally same thing we just traveled to san diego and we stayed in this apartment it was really nice and the apartment itself was quiet but you had to go through like an alleyway where like i had to park my car next to this um person that is similar to one of those uh people in these characters um in this movie (laughs) (laughs) they were sleeping on the like concrete next to my car i'm like Excuse me, sweetie. Like, I have to pull out. <laughs> like, can you move your, you know, shit? Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but, yes. So, she comes back and this homeless guy fucking chases her down the street. This is, like, my experience just now that I was telling you about. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this is after, like, the person she's interviewing with warns her not to stay in that neighborhood. She's like, fuck, this is crazy. So, she goes and she's, like, going to get her shit. But like, does she not read any reviews? Did nobody leave any reviews about this Airbnb? That's what I'm wondering because they booked it on two different sites, so it's like I don't know what's going Somebody's on. Somebody's gotta leave a review. Are there all those people are dead? They didn't even get to leave or okay. check out. But oh, maybe, maybe that's true. Or maybe they just all saw the street view and were like, uh, no, uh, no. <laughs> maybe they're the first people to ever stay in there. Yeah, it's ridiculous. She ends up getting trapped in this um, basement. Okay, and this is where I was like, okay, the score is giving me life. Because as she walks into that hidden corridor, there's this great pulsing synth like sounds in the score. Yeah. And it's so exciting. This is where like the buildup is happening. I'm like, oh my God, something is about to happen. The story is coming here. You can tell that. Uh, Mr. Kregers was very highly inspired by John Carpenter and I feel like that synth score is very reminiscent to that but he also specifically said um, about the practical effects in the film that he didn't want to do anything that they couldn't do in John Carpenter's The Thing in the 80s and so yeah obviously he had Carpenter on the brain I think that the score I think the score emulates that I've also seen people compare this opening to a Sam Raimi movie uh, I think the second half is the Sam Raimi portion. This is a David Fincher film. Oh, is what okay. He said, he said the top floor is a David Fincher film and the basement or the second floor is a Sam Raimi film. 
That's so weird. Because Screen Rant said that the opening felt like Sam Raimi. And I was like, like, what? Really? Like, drag me to hell? They got it backwards. They had to have it backwards. I definitely get... I definitely get Drag Me to Hell. I mean, obviously, Justin Long, but also it just feels like the second half of... to me feels like Sam Raimi. The okay. first half is, was inspired by more David Fincher. I've this heard is, the guys, this movie is almost Fincher like a, a double feature. Yeah, yeah. And the, which also takes a lot of inspiration from Psycho, is what he said with the yeah. change of point of view from Marion Crane or Tess to then like the secondary characters who then take over for most of the rest of the storytelling. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's very interesting how it's done because this first part almost comes, what seems to like come to an end, and then all of a sudden we get into a new storyline, and yeah. that's such an interesting device to use because you're like, wait a minute, what, what, why did we spend so long on that first half? Like, is that going to come back? Luckily, it does, but um, it's just a very interesting way to let the story unfold. It's not, it doesn't feel formulaic. It feels yeah, sort of fresh. To me, in this part, Tess and Keith make some very classic bad moves for horror movies. It is hard yeah. to determine what I would do in that situation. But I if know. I found a hidden room in a basement of the Airbnb that I was staying at, and with a video, like blood on the walls, a video camera, and a mattress on the floor, I'd be like, I'm fucking leaving right I'm now. out of here. I don't care and like, what she Keith tr- is doing, I'm leaving. Right. That's the only, that's my biggest, like, gripe with Keith is that he doesn't let her do what she wants. Like, she's like, I'm trying to leave. And he's like, no, 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 stay. You're acting crazy. Like, I'm not gonna run out of here just because you told me there's a mattress and a camera and, you know, and a bucket down there. Yes. But I'd be, if I was her, I'd be like, I don't give a fuck what you want. I'm out of here. Yeah, and I and I feel like several of the men sort of do that to her in this movie, where they it's don't let her just part of the make narrative. her own decisions. Yeah, the homeless man as well stops her from going back. In. Like nobody will just like let this woman make her own choices. They all gotta, you know, yeah. sort of gaslight her and tell her that she's she needs to calm down, which is I don't think the case at all. Well, actually, I was gonna say that one of the things is that the homeless man is actually the only person who tries to protect her, whereas the other characters, AJ and Keith, constantly put her in harm's way. Yeah. AJ, because he's like, take her so that he, I can live. And yeah. Keith is doing this because he still wants to spend time to get to know her, but he's putting her in harm's way. Like, he's not, like you're saying, he's dismissing her and not even sure, he's and dismissing for his her because reasons. he doesn't want her to leave. Yes. I didn't even think about They're it. They're being that, selfish. Like that. And the homeless man is like, like... he wanted her to stay to get to know her better. I guess I didn't think about that. It doesn't make it any better, but I'm just like, okay, his motivation there seems more clear. Legitimate, now yeah. put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, why... I, I would leave. I'd be like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, yeah, let's get out of here. Um, yeah. I don't know. And then, of course... I, I feel if somebody came screaming out of a basement, told me all these things, I would leave first and then hear what she had to say. Yes. I would at least get out of the house. Yeah, if somebody was that freaked plan, out, I'd be then, like, uh, yeah. no. Okay, what, yeah. Yeah, let's go. And I let's surely go. would not go in there to investigate. Um, I don't know what he was trying to do, play hero or what, but then when she goes in after him, I was like, I know that people in the audience were, like, screaming, like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, well, she was like, 
At first she was like, nope. And we're all like, okay, haha, great. Okay, she's a yeah. smart <laughs> final girl. Yes. And then she, like, literally within two minutes later, she's like, okay, I'm going in. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and honestly, I'm, like, thinking, what are you going to do? If this tall-ass man is screaming for help in this tunnel, what are you going to do to get him I out of that? I don't know. Maybe. What, what if he had fallen and hurt his ankle? What's she going to do? If, you know, what, what? Drag him? I mean, maybe. Call the call the police. If you if you were in this situation, you were him, and you had broken your ankle, and you're like, help, help, help. Would you want to, this person to leave, or would you want them to? Help I would you? want them to be like, I'm gonna call an ambulance, but I'm not going down there. Also, he could have been more clear, like, help me. There's a, a giant monster, a monster lady here. Run for your life. Call call help. I mean, I guess maybe in the moment you're just thinking, help me, help me, but. Maybe a little more context clues would have helped her. They would have helped her. And then we would have known what what was going on. She would have... But either way, if I were her and I heard him screaming for help, I'd be like, okay, let me take my happy ass back upstairs and call the cops. Okay. Because yeah, call I'm some... out of here. Yeah, seriously. No okay, way. yeah. I know, she does make a dumb move going in there. Um, but, you know, I think she's, she's a good person at heart. And she yes. wanted to help this man. Oh, and I will say that Georgina but Campbell... also still... Oh, sorry. I'll just oh. say while still not knowing whether she can trust him. Right. So. And also by still looking good because Georgina Campbell is a beautiful woman. I've never seen yeah. her in anything before. Um, Neither have I. But she was great in this. She's giving me like like cute 90s vibes and those like kind of yes. jeans and that, that white the blouse. The white blouse. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah, she looked really cute. She looks like, so yeah, she's cute. She's giving me 90s. Yeah. And her performance is really well done. Great. And so is Bill Skarsgård. He's great, as usual. So, so cute. So Creepy, adorable. Creepily charming. Creepily charming. But she seems to fall for it. And yeah, I hope to see them both in more movies because I really enjoyed their section of this movie. Yeah. And I was 100. devastated to see him die so quickly. And oh, so brutally, these movies are getting brutal. Terrifier 2 is definitely making everybody just step, <laughs> step it up. <laughs> I know. Everybody just has like, everybody's head is made out of like cherry pie in all these movies. Oh my God. Um, I know. But when the mother first appears and kills Keith, I'm like, oh, what the <laughs> fuck was uh, that? Like, like jaw on the floor. When I thought, when you figure out this is what you, the movie is going to be about. Like, oh my God. I was like, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't even formulate a thought. I was like, Oh my God. This is a, like a monster movie about a giant naked inbred woman. <laughs> <laughs> who like, what brain who, conjured yeah, that? What, Zach Kreger's. Who knew? Unbelievable. Yeah. It's just, I mean, but like, it is that moment in Malignant where they, I mean, if you hadn't figured it out already, when they pan around and you see what the, what the evil is, I I don't want to give it away if anybody hasn't watched it, but (laughs) it's just like, it it is just so gobsmacking that you're just like, where can this even go? How are they going to explain this? What did the first half of this 
movie have to do with this? Like, yes, because we completely jump ship into a whole nother section of this movie. And we're like, wait, what happened? Yeah, exactly. And new characters. And you're like, wait, what's... Wait, you can't just like leave us with that. It's almost like, yeah, it's like kind of leaves you with a little bit of blue balls just to, uh, you know, get you get your appetite wet for the rest of the movie. Yes, yes. Shall we move on? Yeah, let's do it. Sometime Sometime later, later, actor actor AJ AJ Gilbride, played by by Justin Long, learns he has been fired from his television series due to rape allegations made by a co-star. Pressured to sell his assets to pay for legal costs, AJ travels to a rental property he owns in Detroit, the same house that Tess and Keith rented. AJ inspects the house when he notices their belongings left behind. He eventually discovers the hidden tunnel in the basement. The deformed woman attacks him and he falls into a pit where Tess appears to have been for a while. A flashback to the 1980s shows the house's original owner, Frank, played by Richard Brake, who abducted women and held them captive in the tunnel. He would use the hidden room to videotape himself raping them, then rape the subsequent children. Ew. Ew, uh... In the present, Tess explains that the woman, referred to as the mother, wants him to act as her children. When AJ refuses to drink milk from a bottle offered by the mother, she drags him away and forces him to breastfeed. Oh my god. That is so hot. Okay, then you're going to be drinking it from my titty, so... (laughs) Okay, you don't want to drink it from this nipple? You're going to get this nipple. Tess escapes, and the mother pursues her, allowing AJ to make his own escape. He discovers a decrepit Frank living further in the tunnel. Initially believing Frank to be another victim of the mother, AJ assures Frank that the police will come to investigate. While AJ discovers the tapes of his crimes, Frank discreetly retrieves a hidden revolver and kills himself. AJ flees with the gun while the mother leaves from the house to find Tess. Wow. Oh, my God. What a what a direction turn we have taken. We have the introduction of Justin Long. What a what a I don't I feel like he's like a little bit of a blast from the past. Is that oh, bad to say? Uh, well, it's been a while since we've seen him in anything that's been released in the theaters. Um Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> okay, so originally this character was cast as Zac Efron. Ooh, Zac Efron, daddy. He he was the first choice he was cast um, because the original version of AJ was this beefcake kind of himbo, Zac Krager said. However, when he decided to drop out of the role, Justin Long brought in a warm and disarming and charming, lovable presence on screen. Which, I agree. I, I think that seeing Justin Long is a little bit, like, it feels a little nostalgic, and I think that It does. Has, it feels like a warm hug. Yes, it's charming. He's charming, and he has great screen presence. Um, yeah. But, I, I will say that his acting during this intro to him was really good. I was like, whoa. Like, yeah. his acting was great, because basically you assume that he's acting by himself, like, with somebody just reading lines to him that he can respond yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. I know, he doesn't have a lot of screen time with anybody. He has, like, a few scene partners. Um, but, like, yeah, I think Justin Long is a is a fine actor. I think he, he does really well. I always love watching him. And I think he's a joy to watch in this movie, even though the character that he's playing is a giant piece of shit. <laughs> Yes, but I do think that the changing it from Zac Efron to Justin Long um, was a good choice right. because it does feed into the concept 
presented at the opening of the film. Like, that's kind of the tie-in with the two, is that it's this sense of distrust. Because it's not some beefy Hollywood douchebag that would make us believe the allegations right away. It's just as long as AJ. So it's like, okay, maybe I believe that he didn't do it. And maybe she is a sneaky snake or Mm. something. But, you know, you kind of don't know what to think at first. Or is it that, like, even the sort of, not to bag on his level of attractiveness, but it's not always, like, the hot, you know, kind of guys that do this. It can, even the skinny little white guys feel like they have some sort of power. Power, right. or, Or they're above situations, like, that would have consequences. Yeah, and we are unsure what to believe at first with these rape allegations because he's very convincing that he didn't do it, but come to find out, it's because he's convincing himself that he didn't do it. Right. Which is awful. Or Or he never even thought twice about the situation. That it's, like, foreign to him, this idea that, you know, a woman would refuse... And that when she finally conceded because of the pressure that, oh, yeah, she she wanted it all along. Like, he didn't even fathom the fact right. that there were lots of, you know, wrong steps taken in that situation. And so it's like such a he has so much conviction because he's like not even it didn't even cross his mind that what happened between them was probably inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's a classic story. And in the time of Me Too, I feel like now we know not to trust anybody. It doesn't matter what status they have or who they are because anyone is capable of being a predator. And uh, so this kind of also ties into Tess and Keith's storyline because Tess lets her guard down when she discovers Keith's resume. And so I feel like it then the movie tricks us in this part because it's like giving us somebody that's a celebrity within this movie. And yeah, like you don't want to right away jump to the conclusion that he did it because he's sort of this credible person being played by somebody incredibly charming. So you're like, yeah, I don't want to believe that. No, you know? Yeah. But but then as, as the scenes kind of roll along, you start seeing all of the, um, the classic tropes of somebody who probably did it. Did it. He like, his, his drunken confession to his friend, is like that's like the nail in the coffin obviously when he's like drunk and he's like oh yeah and he (laughs) he sort of explains what happened and how you know he's like yeah she said no at first but like you know then she was down like she was down like convincing but and I mean not saying that alcohol is any some sort of like truth serum but I mean sometimes you know the real parts of people come out when they drink Yeah. yeah and and then he makes it even worse when he like calls that woman while he's drunk and like oh my because god he, because he th- because he thinks it's something that just requires an, an apology. apology or like if I could just talk to her and explain to her it's like no like that wasn't my intention oh god yeah but it's like you had no regard for how she felt the moment anyway. Well, we shouldn't so have. Why do you get the chance to explain? We should not have trusted him from the beginning because literally his first line in this movie is "Hey, faggot." <laughs> oh my god! I know. I said, I wrote that. I said, "Lol." And douche. it was and it was improv. <laughs> no, <laughs> like Kelly Rowland. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, the new Kelly Rowland, Justin Long. Yeah, I that whole thing with like him saying I was persistent, and she eventually gave in, even though she said no at first. 
Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Where do you I mean, it, not it just, think it, it's... It's just peeling back the layers of who this man really is. Yeah, that's insane. Okay, why is he not more freaked out when he finds the tunnel? And <laughs> Because I, he is... He's desperate. He's desperate for the money. He's... He, you know, he wants to use it to his advantage. He's kind of a, he's a moron. So, you know what I read? <laughs> Was actually Look. that the movie shows the difference between how AJ can walk around in the world compared to how Tess walks around in the world. And something that oh, okay. horror movies do quite often is put us into the Ooh. female perspective of our final girl, where they should be scared of everything because that's how they're taught. Or that's how society is to women. But when we're put in the man's shoes, we're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, how are you not more scared? It's like, what reason does he have to be scared? He feels very powerful. He feels better than other people. And so, of course, he's going to go around his house and be like, oh, I can add this to the square footage on the sales listing. I'm going to measure it. That's fascinating. I I didn't even think about that, but that's absolutely true. Yeah, he's not... It has not been ingrained in him to be scared of a situation like this. He's a man. What's yeah. going to happen to him? So there's like no... And also why Keith goes in there. He feels like this big, tall, superior, you know, yeah. species. And he goes down there and look what happens to him. So oh, shit. It's like the difference yeah. between the tests or, you know, the women and the men of this story. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty clever. If that was intentional. That is very clever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that... That has to be a very good explanation for it. Yeah, I. that's interesting. Okay, so here we go with this backstory. The backstory is disgusting. And honestly... Oh, it's so gross. It reminds me of that true story of the guy that set up, like, this encampment in his backyard where he would rape... It, where, like, he... He, I think he kidnapped a woman, like, made him, made her his wife, and then raped her and had several children with her, and then proceeded to have children with his children. Ew. Which is disgusting. And he just had this backyard filled with rape victims that were inbred. And I'm like, Wait, ew. Were they, de- were they dead? This no. Is- like, when they found them, oh. there were, like, all of these people, like, that oh. just had given birth to more people. And it was just a backyard <laughs> full of, like, 40 people. Isn't that Jesus crazy Christ. as hell? But... That is so crazy. <laughs> um, I the, In this flashback... Frank turns out to be the character that no one questions or distrusts. Like, he's not a stranger that was in the Airbnb you rented. He's not being accused of anything. He's not the homeless man screaming at you from down the street. He's not the stuttering disheveled woman that uh, Tess becomes when she's talking to the police, uh, screaming about a monster in the neighborhood. He's just a seemingly normal man, but he's got a shitload of disgusting atrocities going on inside of his house. So it's really interesting to me that... They had, there's this scene because there was there was an article on ScreenRant.com about how um, particular Detroit is to this movie, and one of the right. things was the the people how distrusting we are of one another. But with your own neighbor, who you think is so sweet and isn't capable of doing any of this, is actually the person that is you should be distrusting of. And so there's this little back and forth thing where they talk about, and it's the 1980s, which I guess was a specific time with some kind of policies that did something with segregation in Detroit at the time. Okay. And so like All right. the 
just that makes sense why why the, all the white families were moving out because the, the yes. neighborhood was going to shit supposedly yes because they were just it was systemic obviously and so yeah. these people were selling their houses and you know he they have the neighbor he's like this neighborhood can go to hell and it's like people are so ignorant and stupid that they thought that the threat to their neighborhood was black people moving into the neighborhood but really it's your own white next door neighbor committing the most god awful crimes that street has probably ever seen yeah and that man walks around the town like pretty much waving a red flag he's like I want plastic sheets and I want like he's like goes to like hardware stores and buys like murdery things or creepy things nobody he wear like shows up at at a house with a, um, you know, uh, coveralls that say the name Carlos on them. <laughs> like, you know, just like all these like things. Yeah. And people were so trusting, you know, his neighbors, that poor woman that he goes and that he ends up abducting. She just lets him into her house. And I thought about that because like the other day here, this man <gasps> came. He was like, yeah, he was like gas company. And, he, and we're like, oh, okay. And we like let him into the backyard and he like, you know, got his readings or whatever. But I'm like, oh God, where's I, I I had no idea who this man was. All he had to say was gas company. And I like let him in. Oh, sure. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, whatever. So it's like, yeah, I mean, there are people that we are taught to just trust blindly. Yeah. uh, You know, and, and not really question them. And especially maybe back then it was worse. Maybe. Yeah. You know, you always hear stories about how they're like our parents or whatever. Like we never used to lock our front doors. Yes. What? It's very interesting what people are. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting to to see what people are distrusting of and what people trust. Like it's it's so interesting that just like the racism that's built into people and sort of like just this Detroit's reality, like in this movie of like specific neighborhoods suffering from systemic and economic imbalances that have their roots in racism. Yeah. I think yeah. that this movie sort of satirizes it in a way, but it's also very real. I think it's very yeah. honest about about how we've turned a blind eye so long to to people that really are the threat. And it sort of seems like this flashback scene is literally just to kind of further a specific narrative that maybe isn't fully fleshed out because the backstory itself isn't very fleshed out. Like this flashback is super brief without much explanation. And we honestly don't even get an actual explanation until Andre, the the homeless man we saw earlier explains it later. So to me, there's a little bit of cheap and sloppy storytelling in here, but also the gears never shift to him being the monster who gets what he deserves. So I feel like there isn't even a sort of like, Justice, justice here. I know. Like, he sort of takes the he takes the the shitty way out because when um, AJ finds him, they you, you like kind of think about it. And you're like, oh, this is like from one rapist to another, like right. trying to you know, and um, you know, so it's so interesting that I mean, obviously there are levels, but you know, you think you're like, wait a minute, this is what you're being accused of too, and this disgusts you so much, like it didn't disgust you when. When you took advantage Ooh, of a woman. Yes, it's a look in the mirror. But um, I do think that they are having these two in a scene together and one feeling like he's the in the right and one yes. is in the wrong is very interesting. But their crimes are just uh, pretty much as bad as one another. 
Right, but, of course. And and but you know, I I do think that Frank killing himself sure lets him off easy. easy. So way who's, out. who's gonna kill him? And who's honestly, kill him? We don't, nobody else knows the backstory. The mother obviously is a better villain because of her appearance, but she doesn't really know what the fuck is going on. So it's like her intentions, yeah. I don't feel, are ever really coming from a sadistic or evil place. I mean, even though she's killing people, but no. it's like, does she even know better? Because Frank, no, she doesn't is our true villain here. Like he's the real monster that deserves to be dismembered, but he got off way too easy. Like, and uh, another article I saw on screenrant.com compared this dynamic to signs of the lambs in which the mother and Hannibal Lecter commit heinous acts, but they still show empathy toward the leads in their respective movies. And then Mm. Buffalo Bill and Frank are very much, the more monstrous villains that don't seem to have any sort of empathy for anything. Um, And and so like, you know, but I don't know that that comparison is necessarily fair because Hannibal Lecter knew what he was doing when he was eating those people. And I don't feel like the mother really knows she's doing any harm by killing these people. (laughs) No, I think she just, she wants to take care of a baby. She has motherly instincts. Um, (laughs) and And all her that she's had to watch ever since she was probably born. What is that, that video, that breastfeeding video. So all she knows is like, she needs to have a baby and how she gonna have a baby when there's other people around. So, and obviously she's been, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Exposed to violence because she is very violent and um, Zach Kreger said that in a lot of ways, the mother was inspired by the Japanese movie Audition because she's a <laughs> woman who does violent acts basically because she has a history of abuse, you know? And so I'm like, very interesting take on it in this in this aspect. But also, yeah. like, <laughs> in our current social climate, like we keep talking about, there's this very like body positive sort of thing going on. So like, <laughs> I know it does. It does feel a little like exploitative of people who are deformed. Oh uh, yes, like, a, like, it? like a little ableist. A little ableist. Like the breastfeeding, particularly, is <laughs> very shocking, and it makes us go ew. Like, bleh. But, look at her saggy breasts. But like, what if someone's watching this and is like, oh my god, like my body literally looks like that? I don't know why because <laughs> of age or deformation <laughs> I do like, you think that she like ha- they couldn't they had to make her still be human but like they also had to make her monstrous enough to make it look like this is more of a monster than yes. it is a representation of a real human being that's why she's like eight feet tall <laughs> she's like has she looks kind of like a weathered old witch <laughs> yeah like, she her design was literally inspired by Beowulf So it's like, okay, (laughs) like, I don't know. Yeah, like, she's very monstrous, but at the same time, she has a female body. And so, like, it's sort of, like, kind of weird that we're being repulsed by the the use of the female body. It's murky waters, for sure, we're walking in. We're, like, a fine line. And the character is being played by a man. So it's, like, (laughs) (laughs) so it's just one adding insult to injury. Have you looked him up? No. He's kind of cute. <laughs> oh my god, we always think these uh, stunt doubles are cute. Yeah, I was like, I, I like saw his picture. I was like, oh, what's his like, name? He's the mother. I was like, oh. Michael Pathy Rutchick, Tom Patrick Thomas, <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. Thomas. 
<laughs> Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> Wait, let me look him up real quick so I can answer this. Oh, Matthew Patrick Davis. Oh, he's a cutie. Right, he's not like, <laughs> he's kind of like attractive. Yeah, he is. Oh my God, poor thing. He's a really, he's a really cute smile. Best known for his role as the mother. In <laughs> Barbarian. <laughs> in the title role of the Barbarian. Um, <laughs> could you could you imagine? Oh my god, yeah. It, the, this, the character design is very freaky, but it is sort of, like you said, murky waters when it comes to the design yeah. <laughs> of just, like, the body and, like, the use of the body. Like, it's being used for something very specific to a woman's body, so it's yeah. like... Okay. And, and it's used to gross us out. And it's being used to gross, gross us out. Body. We're like, ew, her nasty ass titties. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah, like, ew. But it is, it's very funny uh, at the same time. Like that giant rubber titty. Yes. Like, oh, and that scene when they're like trapped. Like what? Because AJ and Tess finally meet and they're like trapped in that thing. And then she lowers the baby bottle down that hairy gross baby bottle yes and, and it looked like i'm like tess must have they had said that nobody had been checked into the airbnb for weeks so she must have been down there for weeks drinking this bitch's breast milk she has nothing no other options but also what have they been eating frank and the mother breast milk oh well she goes oh, out no, at night exactly she goes out at night that's why andre the homeless guy knows about her what does she do? Go to fucking McDonald's? Like, where does she get food from? <laughs> <laughs> this is getting crazy. Well, should we um, keep going? Finish it off. Tess, Tess escapes the, the house by, by breaking, breaking a basement, basement window. window. She, she eventually, eventually reaches, reaches a gas, gas station, station and is able to call the police. The officers are dismissive of her story, but she convinces them to go back to the house with her. The police refuse to investigate the house before being called away. Attributing, attributing Tessa's story and behavior to, to drug, drug use. <laughs> She's like, I'm not a crackhead, I swear. I'm like, how dare they even assume that? That's ridiculous. I know. They're scared. That is they're, that is crazy. I know. Is is that why? Do they run away because they're scared? No. Or are they just assholes? They just don't believe her. They think she's a drug addict. After, After breaking into the, the house to retrieve her keys, keys Tess, Tess runs, runs her, her car into the mother, mother seemingly killing her. She returns to the basement to rescue AJ, but he accidentally shoots her. The two escape the house and find shelter with Andre, played by James Butler, the homeless man who had chased her earlier. Andre explains that the mother is a product of multi-generational incest by Frank. The mother ambushes the group and kills Andre before chasing Tess and AJ up a water tower. AJ pushes Tess off the tower in an attempt to save himself, and the mother jumps after Tess, shielding her from the fall. As AJ attempts to rationalize his actions to Tess, the mother awakens and kills him. The mother tries to comfort Tess and wants to take her back to the house, but she reluctantly shoots and kills the mother and stumbles away as the sun rises. The end. Oh my god. What a beautiful story. (laughs) Okay, so when Tess gets out, she goes and calls the cops. I feel like... Sometimes the cops in these movies, like, uh, would they really be this nonchalant about it or not take her seriously? I was thinking about that, too. I was like, I was like, is this exaggerated or is this 
I don't know, a way they would actually react. I mean, to be this dismissive is kind of suspect. Yeah. That's why I'm like, were they scared? But it didn't seem like they were scared and left. It seemed like they thought they she don't was believe a, her. And, I mean, maybe, the, but uh, maybe that's a comment on on Detroit. I mean, on the Detroit PD and exactly and how you know they're sort of numb to to that yeah. area. They just like crime runs rampant, and they're they can't be bothered to do anything. Or you know, I don't know if that's like the message, but um, is it, if maybe it's something like that? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, it's all part of why the setting is important for this movie also. Because instead of, like, you know, the classic, like, there's no cell phone reception out here in this part of the woods, it becomes, well, I'm a person of color who can't get help from the fucking police. Like, that's those are the high stakes horror movie that I'm in. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Like, or her being a woman, and these men, (laughs) she, she is literally screaming the truth into their face she's screaming for help and these men just write her off as being crazy and a crackhead because she's a person mm-hmm. of color and because she's a woman and they assume that she's a crackhead and she's dirty because she's been in a basement for weeks insane and poor Tess like she has a good heart because she goes back in there to try to rescue AJ and he shoots her it's a life or death situation does it suck that she got shot? Sure, but she's alive and she understands that he's probably got to fight for his own survival as well. Tess isn't irrational, um, but this day for AJ could not get any fucking worse. I mean, my <laughs> God, now, like, what the fuck? Like, he deserves like, it. He, his reputation is ruined. He's now been Good. kidnapped. Now he's shot somebody. He's never coming back from this, and nor should oh, he. No. <laughs> nor should he. Nor should he. He's getting what the fuck he deserves. But Tess is not. But honestly, she's a mess. She's had several opportunities to leave the situation at this point, just and she just won't go. So, like, girl, what? What? Yeah, she can't yeah. be mad at him because she shouldn't have gone back there in the first place. That's true. It was her choice to go back, and if he's defending himself, she's in the line of fire, and she takes that fire right to the hip. Yeah. Or the stomach or whatever she gets shot. Oh, by the way, I was just about to say, like, there we go again with the distrust thing, with the police distrusting her, thinking she's not being honest. There's just this thing of distrust throughout yeah. all these sections. Um, and one of the characters that we didn't trust at first that we now realize was the only person with good intentions in this movie <laughs> is Andre the homeless man, who gives okay. us a more fleshed out character here in this third section. Um, yes. But that first time he sees her and starts running after her and screaming after her, hey, little girl, don't go like into that house. He's that smart. was not the approach. He knew that that <laughs> should not have been his approach. That was misleading. Yeah. Um, but his goal is very clear, and he's the only person sure. in this story that is fully aware of what is going on. But I will say that I sort of started to distrust him once they like, are at the little campfire, whatever. I was like, I don't know. Is this man... The reason is he the one feeding this thing? Is he like mm. I, you know, we we're just I was not trusting anybody at this point. Anything, yeah. anything goes. And so I just assumed that he's As an been, audience member. He's been trying to help, and so I'm just gonna listen to him now. So that's what I was thinking. That's where I was going, but it goes sure. back to this um, ScreenRant.com thing with the Detroit setting. Because homelessness is a huge issue all over the country. And specifically yep. here, we're seeing these abandoned neighborhoods, wasted space of a major city that also has a huge homeless population. So it's like, 
We may not be able to bring this neighborhood back, but we can at least provide some livable quarters for the homeless population here. Like, what the fuck are we doing, America? Like, why is he, like, uh. out here in these streets when there are all these this wasted space of old neighborhoods that you could use yeah. to make something livable for them. It is, yeah, it is, like, unacceptable at this point. Like, our our lack of, of, you know, care for the unhoused and, you know, it's just, it's a disappointment, but we got, this country needs to do something and it maybe it takes, you know, art and movies like this to influence people to um, finally get some shit done and help the people that need the help. Yeah. It's actually really interesting because I feel like this is probably the first movie to come out in our sort of generation of movies where they're incorporating a lot of that social narrative that actually puts it in there as just a reality. Like, it's not really there to make a point, but when you're watching it, you think of those things and you read articles like that, you're like, whoa shit that's the reality that we're living in yeah exactly homeless people living outside in a in an abandoned neighborhood with houses that that are dilapidating it's insane yeah okay so andre basically tells them like says the story straight up she's a result of multi-generational inbreeding and it's like what yeah i was like but also like i love I mean, I guess uh, it almost feels like an explanation in like an old sort of B movie. <laughs> yeah, you know? like Malignant. like where the where the, yes, where the science doesn't really check out, but <laughs> yes. you know we're just sort of meant to uh, accept it. And he's like, yeah, they just she's been inbred, 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 and now she's a superhuman monster. Yeah, that, that looks that, like a caveman, like. Yeah, I don't that know that like we eight would... feet tall. <laughs> that is terrifying. There was, I will say, I think the mother was dealt with, even though you know, body stuff aside. I think they filmed the character really scary. There's that one shot before Justin Long goes into the to Frank's room where you just see the mother like in the shadows and then just so- slowly backing up. It's like pretty unnerving what you're watching. <laughs> so I, th- I do think the character is very scary, very loud when Miss Tess like escapes from the window and the homeless oh, man pulls her God. out and she comes out and she's like, Rawr! I was like, Oh, like I jumped like this movie made me jump several times because the mother oh, is shit. very frightening. It is very scary in those in those moments and honestly the John Carpenter kind of reference that you're talking about I see it in these night shots because it's very shadowy and the contrast is very yeah feels very much like the fog yes yes and it is very scary to see something lurking in the shadows in an atmosphere like that Um, but yeah I I don't know this is just like malignant in a lot of ways because of not just the font of the movie title, but on the poster. <laughs> but also because it kind of has these sprinkles of social narrative, but then also like science that probably doesn't really check out. And it's sort of melodramatic in its storytelling of like, yeah. like it seems like a soap opera. So it's like, it is very, I don't know. It, and it, and it harkens back to like that tabloid story that I've read which Malignant did also, like the tumor that had teeth that was removed from the woman, you know. Sure. It's like 
or the family the of headlines from the National of, Enquirer. Yeah, incestual family lives in backyard. It's like, oh my god, what the hell yeah. is going out on in the world? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is. But I don't know. Yeah, I I just think the mother is a, a nice little villain for us. I think that she's scary and she's menacing. And um, kudos to them for eating this this random monster. Yeah. Th- so this escape of her trying to get out, I'm like, Tess gets more abused and fucked up by the men in this movie than she does by the mother. The mother, at least, she's being nurtured. Well, yeah. I and mean, you think you think that she's like being attacked by the mother but the mother is actually she wants to take care of her that's her little baby she's trying to protect her from the men in this movie because aj throws her off of that water tower oh my god well before that that happens we get this cockamamie bullshit like redemption monologue from him around the campfire oh he's my like, god I, I you know he's learned the error of his ways and all this stuff and and you think about it and you're like wait a minute there is no way that this movie is trying to convince us that this dude is a good person now that we should be rooting for. Like, we can't be on this man's side. This man is a rapist. Nothing that he has done since finding out the allegations around him, uh, like, yeah, around him, nothing has been good. It's all peeling back layers to show that he actually is sort of a terrible person. So we get this, like, you know, heartfelt moment where he's, like, trying to redeem himself. And then almost immediately... As soon as danger comes and he is in trouble, after she had gone into that house to save him, the first thing he does is throw her off the fucking water tower. <laughs> like what? I, like if there real. wasn't, yeah, if there wasn't a moment before, if there wasn't already a nail in the coffin that this dude was a piece of shit, this was it. <laughs> He's like, I'm just gonna try to distract her. Poof. Like, yeah. What? And then the fuck. Then that hilarious shot of the mother swan diving <laughs> off of the off of the tower in slow motion, like she's Spider Man. <laughs> like, oh that God, was silly. Film. Yeah, it was silly, <laughs> but, but it I mean, worked it has, because it saved Tessa's life. <laughs> it saved Tessa's life. Yeah, she must have grabbed her and just like tucked and rolled and protected her little baby. Um, and then he he comes down and then he starts trying to like rationalize what he just did almost probably like he did with that girl he's trying to rationalize yes. oh you know you uh you were slipping anyway i couldn't do i, I like no 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 i thought it just would work own, construction i knew you own, would be fine yeah own who you are bro that's the moral of the story if you're a piece of shit just fucking own it but just don't try to make every excuse under the sun no and also don't be surprised when you know the consequences for your actions catch up to you which is right away because he dies yeah <laughs> yeah she stands up and she fucking gouges his eyes out Ooh, all that's always like out of his eyeballs that's always like a death in movies that i'm always like Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. the crunching like, and the yeah the like the the jelly that comes out Ew. of his eyeballs <laughs> yes. it's all so gross and then she just crushes that head again. That cherry pie, just boom. Yeah, sweet cherry pie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just glad Tess got out of this. I, okay. I was gonna be pissed off if she didn't get out of there alive. Yeah, I mean, she she did not deserve any of this to happen to her. And um, yeah, it would have been a shame to see her just die. Thank God she doesn't. And she 
you know, she does kill the mother, but it is sort of like this hilariously dark moment where the mother's like, Bubba. she's like, <laughs> it's, it's like, she's like still nurturing for her and Tessa literally has a gun to her face and she, she kisses her fingers and she puts it up to her. Like, it's like so bizarre. We're like, what the fuck are it's we watching? Also kind of sad. It is sad. She just wanted to she have a know little anything. baby. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't her fault that she was like stuck down there and she was a monster and that. It's not her fault that she doesn't know right from wrong. Come on. Yeah, it's not her fault. Give her a break. And so it is kind of sad. Obviously, <laughs> she's done <laughs> some pretty terrible things and killed a lot of people. But, you know, at the end of the day, she just wanted to be a mother. And who can't, who can't relate? What's a mother to do? <laughs> I know. So, but yeah, then she gets a bullet in the head and she's done for. And Miss Tess is on her way to live the rest of her life, hopefully out <laughs> of this neighborhood. Yes. She limps to the hospital. Um, okay. Well, final thoughts. I mean, this movie, like I said, it is this year's malignant. It really came out of nowhere. Surprised the hell out of everybody. Um, I think it's a nice satire I like I like the sort of um, double feature yeah sort of moment I think that's like a fresh fun way to keep the genre interesting and to tell its story um, yeah I really liked it I think it's fun like this movie to me is just pure fun like at the, and I think uh, you know with a with a little sprinkling of social commentary in there um, yeah yeah, really. So for me, this I would give this a four out of five. Okay. Good, good, good fun all around. Good fun all around. Yeah, I agree. I think it is good fun all around. I think that the balance of the different tones is great. And it's not very often that you get to see a movie integrate humor so well into the horror element. So I think that yeah. the writing is very good. Um, the atmosphere, the tone, the balance of all the different genres. I think that he does a good job in that, Zach Kreger. Um, the performances are um, stellar. I think the cast does an amazing job. Uh, it's just some questionable things about the origin story. Like, I just wish there was <laughs> more about that. Or, you know, if he had broken it up into three sections, maybe. Yeah. I guess I'll have to wait for Barbarian 2. Which apparently they're saying, like, this movie totally left it open for a sequel and what could what? work and a sequel. I know. I was like, are there I more? It's over. I, the I don't father, know. The brother? The mother, the, 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 the brother cousin? The cousin of the bride. Um, <laughs> the, the mother sister? <laughs> but I, I don't really see that happening. I don't think that this story needs more of, of this. But I think that it, they did a really great job. I just wish that the origin story was a little bit more clear and I wish that sure. they would have really gone in on the actual villain of the story and not let him off so yeah. easily but sure other than that I think that the movie is better than its flaws so I would definitely also give it a 4 out of 5 nice that's a solid score for a solid movie yeah very solid I was very pleasantly surprised I'm solid right now <laughs> yeah ooh <laughs> ooh all right, guys. Hey, make sure you uh, tune into our Instagram at Fear the Talking Queers. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave, leave us a, a glowing review. Give us five stars on Spotify if you're a Spotify listener. That's right. Um, hope everybody has a warm December coming up. Oh, it's gonna be a warm, warm 
Yes. <laughs> Stream all your favorites. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sweet screams, baby. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>